Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. No organization is immune to crises. It's not a matter of if a crisis will strike, but when. From brand reputation issues to natural disasters, a crisis can reveal big gaps in an organization's business continuity, emergency preparedness, and communication capabilities. Today's guest, Stephen Kerr, is an emergency and crisis management expert with decades of experience in leadership positions across multiple sectors, including state and local emergency management, transportation, energy, and water sectors. Currently, he's the founder and CEO of Kerr Group, LLC, a consultancy that helps companies build and improve their crisis management programs. In this episode, Stephen shares his step-by-step framework that any organization can use to emerge more resilient from a crisis. Let's get into the conversation. Stephen, welcome to the show. Really glad you could join us today. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I've been looking forward to this recording. Awesome. Well, I know you have a really fascinating background, and I know our listeners would love to hear about it. So can you walk us through some of the highlights of your career to start things off? It really goes back for me to the mid-80s. I served as a New York City Fire Department deputy chief and paramedic up until the time that the mayor created the New York City Office of Emergency Management. 1993 now, there was the first attack on the World Trade Center. I responded to that in a leadership capacity, and my job on scene there was mutual aid coordination. Worked the next five years or so in New York City Office of Emergency Management as a founding member of a new agency, and we built an urban metro area emergency management program that I believe has been exported to big cities around, around the country. Left city service, went into the consulting industry, worked for a company called Kroll, pretty big security and crisis management company, and was working the Port Authority contract starting around January 2001. A small team and I were doing emergency management plan development and some anti-terrorism plan development for the Port Authority facilities for the audience. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey is an enormous bi-state New York, New Jersey agency that's responsible for major transportation facilities and commercial properties, their most iconic one being the World Trade Center. And on 9-11, I wasn't in town. I was away at a terrorism conference. But when I got back in town, my team and I supported the 9-11 response for the next year or so. We had a team in the Emergency Operations Center. Fast forward a decade or so, consulting sector, some pretty big clients, World Bank, and then was recruited to do, and this was absolutely incredible, emergency management and enterprise continuity for a major electric and water utility in Colorado. And on the heels of a pretty major wildfire, I was asked to build a program that actually won three industry awards. But more important than that, we were able to respond effectively to the needs of the city, of the community, in a way that kept the lights on and kept the water flowing. And then I retired from that. Everything came together at the right time. Moved to Florida, West Palm Beach. I'm sitting on the intercoastal waterway right now and formed Kerr Group, LLC, crisis management, back in the private sector. Well, that's a fantastic career. So it sounds like you've experienced quite a few things out there and have a lot to offer people. And one thing I'd like to dig into, uh, I guess, initially is the fact that sometimes emergency management and crisis management get lumped together in a lot of people's minds. And I'm glad you, you mentioned them separately as different disciplines. 
So can you clarify the difference between them for those who just may not understand? At the end of the day, and, and I said this on an international conference call the other day where a bunch of crisis managers, emergency managers get together and this question came up. And I said, we're all emergency managers. And everybody agreed. And I said, we're all crisis managers. And everybody agreed. And we're all resilience managers. And everybody agreed. But there are subtle differences. And emergency management typically evokes images of government structures at the community level, the county level, all states and territories, and definitely the federal level, and that would be the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. Emergency managers typically report to elected officials who have city councils as they're part of the government structure. So is that really much different than corporate structures? My mind, no, because instead of an elected official, you have a CEO. You may not have a city council, but you have a board of directors or a board of advisors that weigh in as well. But at the end of the day, we're all doing the same job for whomever our constituent is. And if our constituent is a community, we're doing risk assessments, emergency preparedness planning, exercises, we're helping the community respond and recover. Same thing in the private sector. We're identifying corporate risk, enterprise risk. We're doing crisis management, business continuity plan development for public sector. That would be coop and cog, continuity of operations, continuity of government plans. The differences are very subtle. Okay, that's great. Well, focusing specifically on crisis management, I understand that you have a really good framework that you've developed throughout your career that's been successful in handling different situations. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, uh, yes, and thank you for asking me about that. So I call it the circle of resilience and excellence. And first of all, it's a circle because it's continuous. I don't believe in the emergency management world or the crisis management world or the business continuity world that we look at crisis management preparedness and resilience from a holistic perspective. So when I say, let's have a crisis management program, Peter, I'm talking about all the components of the circle that comprise a crisis management program. If I need to write a crisis management plan, I can do that, but I'd rather it be part of a program. So the program has a number of different components to it that start with situational awareness, which is essentially understanding what the organization is and does and how it produces products or services, provides services to a community for in the public sector. And this is more strategic situational awareness as opposed to situational awareness or intelligence that we gather during an incident. But we do that. We have to do that, too, and we have to develop programs for that. And that segues directly into threat and risk assessments. So we want to understand from an organizational perspective, what can harm the workforce? For me, it's always about people first. Because if the workforce gets harmed, then production goes down. We're unable to produce services and products. And we also want to understand what the potential impacts can be and what the vulnerabilities are to threats and risks that can take an organization down. So if you live in West Palm Beach, Florida, you have a hurricane threat. If you live in the Valley in California, you have an earthquake threat. Everybody has an active shooter threat. Everybody has the threat for failures of critical infrastructure. What are we talking about there? Power outages, water disruptions. The entire city of Philadelphia just was under a water, not even a water boil alert, because they had a chemical contamination. So there's a risk there from critical infrastructure or power outages. 
We've seen a number of incidents lately where electric substations have been attacked by individuals that have caused protracted power outages. Once we understand the threat and the risk, we circle right over to the business consequence analysis. Now, the business continuity profession likes the term business impact analysis, and I'm okay with that too. But I look, I want to look at this from a more strategic nature. So not what can take the business down in the first, let's say, 24 hours, but what can the cascading long-term impacts be? Because I want to be able to address that as we do our planning or that, at the very least, work in unison with a C-suite so they can start thinking long-term. And a short-term supply chain problem might have long-term cascading effects that they need to deal with. The next element in the circle is the crisis management team build-out. And I know many organizations that just have benefited from developing crisis management teams where they don't otherwise exist. And there's a number of ways to do this. You can develop a team comprised of C-suite individuals or functional leaders from within the organization. There's a couple of ways to do this, and that's really situationally based. You could use elements of the incident command system to structure that or not, or go functional, because the incident command system might be just not be familiar. We'll train people in it, but it's not the kind of thing they do every day. I do this every day. Somebody in an organization might not. Once the team is assembled, we engage the team in crisis management planning. We actually develop crisis management plans, business continuity plans, and then we exercise the program. The circle starts all over again when it needs to, meaning after an incident or after an exercise. There's a lot to unpack there. We could probably have a podcast episode on each one of those different things within there, but I love the circle of resilience and excellence. I love the acronym C-O-R-E, core process. It's fantastic, but it's a lot to unpack. So do you have any tips for crisis managers to facilitate these types of discussions to get business owners to public emergency managers to dig in and talk about these things? I've actually changed my thinking recently on this. And interestingly enough, other consulting businesses are starting to think the same way. We have an opportunity to start the process using, let's call it a tabletop exercise or a discussion-based workshop. And typically, the way an exercise works, Peter, is you develop a plan, you train on the plan, and then you go in and you exercise the plan. But that's not working. So what I'm proposing to do now is go into an organization with a discussion-based workshop or a tabletop exercise and just figure out what their threats are. It's not hard once you know the area. There are common threats and risks, right? Everybody can have a water main break, a power outage, an active shooter, a hurricane, a tornado. Where it gets individualistic is when we talk about supply chain and stuff like that, depending on where you produce and where your products are. So we go and we have a discussion. and. We dig in and we help the individuals at the table really understand what their risks are. And then we ask the big question, well, how are you going to respond to this? What does your crisis management plan say? And if they have one, they may or may not know about it or have been trained on it. Typically, there is none. And that is the beginning of a discussion about getting a program going. So what do you do with those findings that you come up with? What's the process next? If someone who's inexperienced with this, how do you advise them? So that's basically the risk assessment, or at least the beginning of a risk assessment. So, you know, quick funny story, 
had a situation once where we produced a, a quantitative risk assessment and we went in and talked to the CEO and said power outage is a number four and and this one is a number five and active shooter is number and uh, you know this guy had a, an engineering degree and an MBA and he's like yeah yeah that means nothing to me and I learned that it's better to have a deep conversation discussing what the risks are and going in with a narrative. That's digestible. That's something that's consumable that business leaders can understand. So once we have that exercise, we'll structure a presentation where we can bring it in. But going in with the numerical data, I find is not as helpful as going in and telling the story or your situation. So there's a couple of ways to look at that. No, that's really smart. It seems like with a lot of things, there's a balance between the empirical evidence and the tug at your heartstrings anecdotal evidence. And if you can balance the narrative with the data, it's a very compelling story. But if you go in with just one or the other, it does not drive people to action. It doesn't. And without getting into too much detail, one story was we were working with an organization, a human services organization that we struggled with. We were doing, in my mind, a good job for them. But we struggled with the program until they had a fire with fatalities, and that changed the compass. That changed the discussion. So it sounds like this approach is much more effective. And now that you have the leaders on board and rallied around you, what's next? So at, at that point, it's actually pushing through the different components of the circle. And at that point, once the leaders are on board, we, we understand risk. We're going to develop the crisis management plan. The crisis management plan itself has a number of components through incident recognition, situational awareness, social intelligence. If we're not talking about that now, we're not understanding what the threats to our, our organization are. So there's opportunity for us to mine information threats off social media, dark web, websites, blogs, and help organizations gather that information that can help form a, a threat picture. Connection with weather, commercial weather services or the National Weather Service, which is, is my preference, building out that part of the program where we make emergency notifications. I believe that's something near and dear to you guys. We want to make sure, right, make sure that we're able to communicate effectively. So if we activated the crisis management team, it was just that simple. We shared situational awareness using these products. If there was something going on, so people had you know, blizzard big in Colorado. So we would start sending out weather alerts at a certain point. So this is all part of the written plan. And part of the crisis management team includes having a duty officer, somebody responsible for monitoring the situation. Unless you're a big enough organization, we have like a security operations center or a watch center. Typically, there's a duty officer monitoring things and being able to send out information, even if it's from their phone on, a, on an app. Well, one thing I do want to come back to is this concept of crisis leadership planning and crisis management exercises. It seems like it's two sides of a coin that you always have to balance. Can you talk more about that? So first we assemble the crisis management team and we put the crisis management team through crisis leadership training. And that is to help crisis managers, in, let's say in the private sector, become familiar with incident command structures, what the difference is between strategic operations and tactical response and what their role and responsibility is. Then we exercise them and we put their plan, we put their team, we put it to the test. We don't pressure test it at first. 
because I want exercises to be informative and educational. So the first time we engage an organization, it's almost a walkthrough. It's almost a table read, as they call it in Hollywood. We're going to do a table read. We're going to walk through the plan and we're going to talk about a scenario and how the plan and how the team reacts to that. You'll be surprised, even in a low-stress environment like that, how much we learn, how much effort we can put to correcting that or making improvements. Then, if the organization will have it, we'll pressure test the plan. And there's, there's a couple of different levels of exercises to do that. So we can pressure test the plan by doing a functional exercise, which is a time-based, scenario-driven exercise that's pretty much live wire. And the individuals in the exercise have to respond to situations as they're being handed to. And this is complex because everybody has to respond in unison. And this is where people get to actually learn and test their chops at crisis management. And then at its highest level, depending what kind of organization we're dealing with, there would be a functional exercise where there's what we call boots dirty and rubber on the road. So we're moving equipment, we're moving trucks. So in a fire EMS setting, that's doing perhaps a building collapse rescue scenario, or we're dealing hazmat, very, very popular, especially when we're talking about these lithium-ion battery fires and stuff like that. So that's very popular today. Back in my day, it was asbestos and PCBs before the transformers were all cleaned up. So there's different levels of exercise, but we want to sometimes really pressure test the plan and the team and find out their vulnerabilities. So maybe not everybody can be on a team. Maybe some people don't have the emotional robustness to really deal with crisis. I haven't really experienced that, though. People are incredible. People have incredible talent and incredible capability once you test them. Without a doubt. Well, as we wrap things up here, I know you've had a long career and you probably have a ton of stories to share, but can you think of one, maybe one really good example of how you've helped an organization in the past? Yeah. So we had a contract many years ago with Homeland Security, regional Homeland Security Zone in New England. They were a fiduciary for a federal grant money and they controlled the distribution of federal Homeland Security grants to parts of New England. And we did a number of exercises and planning projects under this grant. One in particular was very valuable to the community. We did a tabletop exercise, right? We spoke about what that is earlier. So we had a discussion-based exercise about a train accident in this community, suburban Boston area. And we brought all the participants together from fire rescue, law enforcement, transit, transportation, human services like Red Cross, Salvation Army, et cetera. About four months after that, we had a full-scale exercise. I just dis- discussed what that is. That's the rubber on the road, boots dirty. We had a simulated train accident at one of the commuter stations, suburban Boston, an incident command post, synchronized or unified incident command, testing something that di- didn't really exist before in this region. It's something that we helped them build and fire, rescue, EMS, law enforcement response. Well, fast forward about six weeks and this community experiences a train derailment in that area, right there where our exercise was. And we read about it, saw it on the news. And day after the accident, the acting fire chief called my program manager and said that without the work we did for them, they could not have been as successful as they were. And that just absolutely drives it home. That hits the ball right out of the park. And that's it. Because as much as we're in this to help businesses and help organizations, we're also looking for the win. 
And that wind is just that. There's other stories, but that, I think that's a good one. No, that's a fantastic one, especially just how close it was to when they went through the exercise and the realization they needed to do something. So ultimately, you know, it's, it's not going to happen to you until it happens to you and you have to be ready when it does. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it, Stephen. Love your core process, the circle of resilience and excellence. I think it's a, a great acronym. It's an easy way for people to look at this situation. So I appreciate you sharing that with the audience today. Thank you. I enjoyed the discussion greatly and great chatting with you. To learn more about Stephen and his work, please be sure to check the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more insights and ideas to help you protect your business and people. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.